appreciate uh, you and many of you in the body have come and you've you know been hearing the Lord and I believe you have from different perspectives and and so one of the things that Mish and I asked the Lord and some of you have been asking is with what's going on in the world why are you speaking on the blessing of God so let me connect some dots for just a minute okay I believe that we are headed into difficult times as our nation and as our world. And let me just illustrate why. But this isn't a time to be afraid, and this is not a time to pull back and hide. Okay, this isn't in your notes. I'm just giving you a little heads up of where I think things are. As difficult times come, the Lord is looking for a body that really knows who he is, that are walking in his blessing, that as challenges come and persecution arises and those sorts of things that we know that God is good. He's not angry. Um, he's not abandoning us. The scripture is really clear as the end of days begins to approach and difficult times come that some things are going to happen. And I'll, I'll just point out a few things. But what he's looking for is for you and I to be full of him and his blessing because I believe the greatest harvest that's ever been known on the earth is coming. It's coming. We've had a friend in Tennessee, East Tennessee that had a dream about the revival of the Lord and people being saved, but at the same time protests and persecution, and they're going to walk side by side. And so instead of getting afraid, we're to be salt and light. If you're going to be salt, you can't be hiding in a bunker or hiding in your house with three locks on every door. Because salt is a preservative, it flavors, um, salt is a cleanser, <laughs> can be a little painful. And if you're going to be the light of the world, you can't be hiding in a cave. But what we are hearing from the Lord and from friends that are having dreams, and some of you that are, are hearing from the Lord, is that challenging times are coming. And I, I believe that's so. And I will open the word in a few weeks, and we'll look at two or three weeks from a biblical perspective and some of the current events and things that match. But what I'm hearing from the Lord is he wants us to understand the blessing of Abraham, walking in his fullness, uh, wants us to know the blessing of the Father, and that's what we're going to be doing next week. And some of you have grown up without the blessing of a father, but you can have the blessing of your heavenly Father, and some of us as surrogates want to be able to pray and to bless you and break off the, the lies and the residue of the past. Because if we're going to really be strong, we have to be well. And then we're going to learn how to bless one another, one anothering one another. Kirk's going to come in the middle of March, I think the 15th, and he's going to be sharing on the blessing of Abraham and the gospel. How do we engage people in conversation, share the gospel? We're all called to share the gospel and make disciples. And then what I'm hearing from the Lord, and I spent several hours this week getting downloads from the Lord, is I'm going to talk to you about the apostate church. What does that even mean? I'm going to talk to you about the, the church that the Lord is preparing for these days that are ahead and how to uh, be able to stand strong and be able to be a part of the harvest. There are three or four of you in this body and several of our friends that are seeing these tidal waves, but they're not water, they're people. And they're being swept into the kingdom. And I want us to be a part of that, amen? Where we are helping to reach people, where we are discipling people. So here's what I'm going to tell you. This isn't a day to be passive and to sit. This is a day to grow up, to get well, to get full of the Lord, and be a part of what he's doing in these days to come. Can I have an amen? So the blessing of the Lord isn't to make us soft where we're ignoring what's going on in the world. How many of you are aware that there are hordes of locusts, swarms of locusts in Pakistan 
or, or India, Nepal, or in China, some of them are the size of Moscow, which is a 35-mile square, and they're covering the ground. I saw something, if it wasn't so serious, that would be humorous. I went online, and in China, they shipped in 100,000 ducks, and they were showing them being released, and they were filling roads and countrysides because these ducks can eat a four-meter square before they're so gorged they fall over. And it's been a more effective than pesticides. They're looking for another couple hundred thousand ducks. Okay. How many of you know at least in 70 nations in the world there are political uprisings as people are fighting against their government and the order of their nation? 70 plus nations. There are protests of every kind uh, of uh, struggle in the world. There are more earthquakes. There are more volcanic eruptions. And again, if you look at the scripture, it shows us that we're moving toward that day. It's easy for me to stand up here and say, don't be afraid. And I can remember hearing some of this when I had young children, and I'm aware some of you do. And I'm like, Lord. And yet, let me just tell you, he knows how to help you raise your children and to protect your children. But I thought it was so interesting as I saw these two ladies in, in, in their wedding regalia this morning with the machine gun and the Bible, and the Lord said to me so clearly, tell them not to pray for safety. Tell them to pray for bravery and courage. And I'm telling you, church, that's a word for all. Greatest time in the history of the earth is upon us. And God wants us to learn how to stand and walk into this and bring in the harvest. Now, some of you that own business like, what do we do? The scripture is clear. You do business until he comes. It's not about quitting. It's not about, that's part of where we're engaging. It's part of what will fund the kingdom and those sorts of things. So don't stop working. Don't stop praying. Don't stop sharing. Just understand that in the midst of that, there'll be pressures and we have to learn to stand. Nowhere did he say, when you think I'm coming, quit and go hide somewhere. He said, be faithful to the end. And so that's my challenge to you this morning. Well, gosh, that was for free before we open the word I have for you. So this is not about panic. This is about pulling together. And it's for such a time as this that God has established. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher this morning? Would you take what's in these two verses and this one verse in Proverb, and would you help us see that we don't have to stay stuck in our pain and our failures and our struggles. We don't have to be in this place where seemingly the world and others have ignored us because you see us, you will hear us, you will heal us, you will fill us, and you will use us in these last days until you come. We bless you, Jesus, for this morning. Amen. I'd like you to find your way in the Old Testament to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. It's known for many as the blessing or the prayer of Jabez. What you're going to see this morning, and let me read it to you, is there's nine chapters of genealogies. There are nine chapters of these names and these tribes and these people and who begat who, and, and the purpose of this is that they would know who Messiah came through they would know who they were and their identity. But in, in these nine chapters, the 49th name that's given is this man, and the Lord stops long enough to give you some commentary and background on who he is and what he prayed and what the Lord did. Now, are, are some of you like me, when I come to these chapters of these names, I speed read. Do any of you speed read? Okay. That's what I have a tendency to do. But there was a man uh, over 20 years ago, and his name was Bruce Wilkinson, and 
And uh, before that, he had done these walk through the Bible seminars. I don't know if any of you have ever been to them. They're about a two and a half day weekend. And he literally takes you from Genesis to Revelation in a creative way, and you get the big picture of the scripture. But God gave him a download. He actually was reading these names, not speed reading like me. And he wrote this book called The Prayer of Jabez in 99, published in 2000. In 2000, I was pastoring in um, Carlsbad, New Mexico, and uh, Mitty and Woody were a couple in the church, and they'd found this little book, and they brought it as a gift to me, and they said, here, Pastor, this is such a blessing. Read this. And I thanked them, and I have a stack like this, but I kept being drawn to this, so I opened it up, 90 pages, not very big, and I actually read it in a couple of settings, and it began to impact and change my life. And pretty consistently for the last 20 years, I've been praying a prayer, maybe not every day, but several times a week. And I pulled this out a couple weeks ago and read it for like the fourth time. And you can get this uh, on Amazon. I it's uh, not very uh, long to read through, and yet it's really impacting. And I want us to unpack this prayer together this morning. So let me read to you 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. I, I was laughing. I read this one time in the past, and a lady present said, there's no other way to bear children except pain. I said, got it. Now Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me, and God granted him what he requested. Now, I'm going to quote to you Proverbs 10 and verse 22. You can uh, mark that. And it simply says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Amen. So it's interesting as we look at names. In the Hebrew culture, names had present meaning and often prophetic meaning of what the Lord was doing in a person's life and projecting the future of what was going to come. It's interesting because his name meant a pain. Now, you can imagine perhaps some of the jokes and the laughter that might have gone on in his life and some of getting tired of those sorts of things. But, you know, just imagine with me. Oh, here comes the pain. Oh, a pain's coming. Hey, the royal pain's coming, the pain and the patootie's coming, whatever. And we've made those kinds of comments. But this man was in a place where he's like, I I'm tired of being looked at as a pain. Here's what I know from my years of pastoring, from my own years of living, from knowing some of you and just being involved in this kingdom of God, that some of you have pain in your life. You've had the pain of loss. You've had the pain of disappointment and, and failed relationships or failed businesses. You have known the pain of rejection and the grief and the shame and some of those sorts of things. And so it isn't that we aren't acquainted with pains and sorrows, but I have good news for you. You don't have to stay trapped in that place. You don't have to stay in a place of pain. We don't always have every answer, but I know this that God is good, that God is wise. He allows us to have some free choices. He's able to make all things work together for good. And some of us look at the things that have happened in our life and say, I, just, I can't even imagine how good can come out of that. Let me just tell you, God is able. But I believe that this was a man who knew pain. Some of you know pain. 
but you don't have to get stuck in the morose and the gloom circumstances of your current life. He got to a place where he said, I'm done with that, and he called upon the name of the Lord. Now, that word called in the Hebrew, yes, it, it literally means he called on the name of the Lord, but it, it's more loaded than that. It means that he called upon the Lord in sincerity and faith. Some of us know, well, you're supposed to just call on the name of Jesus, but there are other times when you call on the name of the Lord, and you know the difference. Something in you reaches out with a desperation and a sincerity and a faith, and it's like touching the Lord. That's this man. And so this morning, as we unpack, I want you to see these quick five elements in the life of Jabez, and you and I are going to come to the end where we're going to call on the name of the Lord, and we're going to begin to pray this prayer. I'm actually going to challenge you to pray this for the next 30 days, at least once a day, and I'm looking for someone gifted and talented to do this with quality uh, on a banner or something we could put on the wall, because each time we gather, I want us to pray this together out loud. If you are that artistic person and you would love to do that for us, you come talk to me. So here's the first thing that Jabez called out to the Lord for. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He was a man of character. It would appear that he was faithful in his family. He was a man of, of seemingly hard work and, and those sorts of things, and yet people still saw him as a pain. They saw him as less than who he was, and maybe he didn't fit the protocol of the day, but he began to call out to the Lord, Oh, that you would truly bless me indeed. That word indeed means bless me a lot. Lord, don't just give me a little blessing. Bless me a whole bunch. And one of the reasons that I think he asked God to bless him a whole bunch was simply this. You can't give people what you don't have. And he's saying, Lord, would you bless me a whole lot and thank you that we can enjoy some of that, but I want to be a great blessing to many people. Now, when we think of the word bless, we usually think about money. Money's part of it, but it's so much more than that. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I had the privilege to go with Brooks uh, to Fort Smith Friday, and we met his brother who's had some real struggles and challenges in his life, and we were ministering to him, and as I was sitting there, the Holy Spirit gave me nine different scriptures, and they came up out of my spirit and my understanding just as clear as I'm talking to you, and there was an order to it when we got done, and we were driving in the truck. It's like, that was so kind to the Holy Spirit, and as a matter of fact, that was pretty good. It wasn't me. I'm the instrument. But here's what I'm just trying to illustrate. I'm full of the Word of God. And not just in my head, but I'm trying to say, Lord, teach me how to live this and become this and walk in this. And because of the fullness of that blessing, when the need is there, it comes rolling out. Now, you can be the very same. It's one of the ways we hear the Lord. So he was saying, God, bless me indeed. And we'll see what some of that blessing was in his culture and in his day. But the kingdom of God is predicated on something. You reap what you sow. If you want blessing, you have to sow to the things that bring the blessing of the Lord. You sow your tithe and you give. You sow time in the word and you get the word in you and it grows so that it comes out of you. You learn to forgive if you want forgiveness. You learn to walk in peace so that you can release peace. You learn to walk in relationships and, and how to have wise relationships so that you can help coach and mend relationships. You can't give people what you don't have, 
but let's just put it in a very positive way. When you're full of these things, and it's okay in this case to be full of it. When you're full of it, that's what comes out of your life like a river. And that's what we're talking about. All sorts of things. And so Jabez says, Lord, that you would bless me a whole lot so that I could enjoy, but I want to be a great blessing to many people. And so I gave you a couple of verses. I'm not going to go there. But he wanted an abundance to give to every good need. And, and Luke, Dr. Luke in Luke 16, 10 through 12, talks about being faithful over little and faithful over much. It talks about how if we're faithful over mammon or money or those sorts of things, they're like school and test, and then he'll trust us with true riches, and true riches has to do with influence over people. Because part of what we're called to do is to win them to Christ and begin to transform our culture. And it's so interesting that money is one of the tests in the schoolmasters. Because if you haven't figured it out, money has life. Do you understand that? It has power for good or for evil. And it's important whether it's the printed money in our culture or bartering in other culture or gold or precious stones or I'd like to buy that house for 20 cows. It doesn't really matter. Economy has life. And when you and I learn how to walk faithfully in that, God will, it says in that passage, release more and much. And if you've been faithful over what's another's, God will give you what's your own. And he talks about how he'll give us true riches, which has to do with influence with people. How to mentor, how to coach, how to disciple. Used by the Lord to speak to people in places of great influence for the kingdom of God. And so these are the kind of things Jabez was really talking about. Several years ago, Mission and I were at a little mission conference, or I may have come home and shared, I can't quite remember. But Dr. David Shibley, the director of Global Advance, asked us as a room, about 40 of us that were involved in missions and pastoring and so on. He said, so if God gave you $2 million, what would you do with it? He said, would you buy a bigger house? Would you buy fancy cars and clothes? Would you uh, buy a vacation home? It's not that those things are wrong in themselves. But he said, what's the priority? Because many of us were crying out, God, would you? And so the challenge was, and I remember coming home and saying to Misha, this is what happened, and, and I think she was maybe with me at Big Cedar, wherever this was. And we began to talk about what we would do. We would give the Lord his. We would pay off some debt, and we began to look at how do we give half of that to other ministries that are reaching people for the gospel, and how do we perhaps set something up that would fund the ministry of missions and things that are in our heart. But it was, a, it was a good exercise because sometimes we say, God, I want you to bless me with a blessing. If he blessed you with a blessing, what would you do with it? That's the question. And so my challenge to you this morning as you say, Lord, bless me indeed, is that you would begin to talk to the Lord about what is the correct way to handle the blessings that you're pouring into my life. Don't hoard them. You're not a bucket. You're a bucket with a pipe. And there's some to enjoy, and you're to learn to be able to give and to share in every area. So the second thing that he prayed, go to the back, and I'm going to keep moving. He said, enlarge my border. What was he really saying? Expand my territory of influence and give me more opportunities to grow and make gains for you and for us. If you're faithful, when the Lord sends someone to you to step in and begin to pray and love them and share the gospel with them 
and begin to encourage them in the things of the Lord, then the Lord can come and say, you know, even faithful in this, there's some others I want you to share with and so on. Because sometimes people have dreams of big ministry or great influence. And let me just tell you, it doesn't start with big and great. It starts with single and little being faithful. That's how the kingdom works. And so he had been faithful, and he was saying, enlarge my border, expand my territory of influence, give me more opportunities to grow and to represent you. And as he does, step into them, okay? So a number of years ago, I worked uh, for the TDS Xerox Corporation in Fayetteville. We were starting the first church in this area over in Siloam. And uh, they could pay me a little, and I need a little more. So I, I worked three days a week at the church and about three days of work there. And one of the things that I learned is, even though they were selling a lot of machines, that there was a business down in the River Valley, and there was a business up in Joplin and Springfield, and they didn't cross territory. If someone called from up there, they didn't say, well, I'm not going to let that man or this woman know because I want that. They practiced something that I'm going to call win-win. This is our territory. Let me make a referral. And I would watch people from these other dealerships make referrals in. And I think part of what you and I have to understand is God is abundant and there's enough to go around for everybody. And we don't have to win at the expense of other people losing. There's a way to walk, whether it's financially or with wisdom or service or whatever we're doing, and there's enough win-win to go around for everybody. And the Lord began to teach me about that when I was working for Xerox. Doesn't sound very spiritual, but he was talking to me about being faithful in my domain. And as I was faithful there, it would enlarge. So the man that owned that um, was a young Christian, and he allowed me to go and speak into his life. And he said, you know, I would like my business and my domain to grow. And so we simply prayed that God would do it his way. And within a year, the folks in the River Valley wanted to sell out and sold their territory to him. And he didn't do it in any sort of underhanded way. It was a win-win. Shake your head like this. Okay, see, there's a way to walk with the Lord that not only blesses you, but it blesses others. God has more than enough to go around. So he prayed that the Lord would bless him indeed, that the Lord would enlarge his border of influence and opportunities. Look at the third thing, that your hand might be with me. Now, there's scriptures if you have the page, but I'm going to work through this pretty quick. So the hand of the Lord is something that's mentioned often in the scripture. And if you think about your hand, it's such a marvelous creation of the Lord. You have a thumb that touches other fingers, and it separates you from the primate world because you're able to grip things. Your hand um, has 50% of the 5,000-plus major sensors in your body. They're in your hands. Your hands have the ability to really be sensitive and feel. Your hands have a strong grip. Your hands have the ability to point and to, to construct and deconstruct and all sorts of things. When you look at the hand of the Lord, here are some things the Scripture says about his hand. In Song of Solomon, it's the left hand of intimacy as he put his hand under her head or her neck and brought her to him. One of the hand, things the hand of the Lord is about is this idea of come close to me. 
Lord's drawing you close. It's the right hand of security in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And it says, and the Lord has given them to me, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And then my Father, who is greater than all, and no one shall snatch them out of his hand. Th there's this place of real security if you know Jesus and you're walking in the Lord and you don't have to walk in all this fear. If you're walking, the hand of the Lord is with you. It's the right hand of direction. Isaiah 30, 21 says, this is the way, walk in it. Can you just picture the Lord behind you and he's got a hand on your shoulder and he's kind of reaching around on the other side of your head and he's saying, this is the way, walk in it. See, it's a hand of direction. I've had a few times when I've been lost, that I've just wanted the Lord to unzip the sky, and I wanted his hand to come down and go this way. <laughs> come on, tell me you haven't been there. Okay. It's a hand of direction. It's a right hand of authority and protection. The Bible talks about the, kabod, the, the, the strong right arm and the mighty hand of the Lord. And so the Lord, as we saw this morning, is raising up a warrior bride. And then the name Benjamin means son of the right hand, and it's about the favor of God. My nephew, his name is Benjamin. You are the son of the right hand, and may the favor of God be your portion. Man. Your future is not in your past. You ever realize you can't have a better past? You can't go back and fix things. That's what the enemy's trying to do in history and all sorts of things, trying to wipe out certain things. You can't have a better past, but I got good news for you. Your past does not define you. Now, come on, listen to me. The good news of Jesus Christ is that when you see your brokenness and your sin, you can repent. You can have a change of mind and heart and turn to the Lord and say, I, I, I am a sinner and I've made terrible decisions and there are consequences, but I don't want to be this person and I don't want to walk this way anymore. And Jesus, you died for all of that. I ask you to cleanse me, forgive me, and come into my life and make me a new person. And that's the good news. But with that good news comes this, your past is wiped out, thrown as far as the east is from the west, and you have a better now and a better future. See, that's the good news. And that's the hand of the Lord. He's accomplished that. So when he was praying, Lord, I'm asking you to bless me indeed. I'm asking you to enlarge my border of influence and opportunity for you. And then, Lord, that your hand would be with me. I don't want to do this alone. I need your protection. I need your direction. I need your correction. I need your authority and your power. I need your favor. I'm tired of feeling like I struggle for every little inch of victory in my life. The fourth thing he prayed was simply this, that you would keep me from harm. You know we have an enemy that oppresses us, right? He's real. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. The scripture says that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Luke 10 says, I've given you authority over all the power and the strategies of the evil one. And you don't have to walk in fear, and you don't have to walk in a place where there's unnecessary harm. Part of the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, it gets to the end, and they often translate it, deliver me from evil. But if you look at the Greek language in some of those early copies, it literally says, deliver me from the evil one. So you have dominion over his realm. 
because you're in Christ. The scripture says that you put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. What is that about? If you have on the Lord's shoes, everything under his feet is under your feet. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet because you're in him. Okay, so he was praying, keep me from harm. The enemy opposes me, help me to overcome. Help me to overcome my flesh and bad choices of the past. I have dominion, and I don't have to walk in that place. Deliver me from the evil one, and I don't want to harm others in the midst of your blessing. That's what he was praying. Here's the last thing he was praying. That your blessings may not pain me. What an interesting prayer. How many of you have seen and read articles or heard testimonies of people who have won the lottery? And I'm not suggesting you buy lottery tickets. <laughs> but how many of you have seen someone that maybe was in a bit of poverty or struggle and they won the lottery and they took home $15 million and you read about them two or three years later and they're in debt and they lost their marriage and they're sick and they're addicts? How many of you have seen those kinds of things? Because when you become incredibly blessed, there are new opportunities and there's power and there's authority and all sorts of things and it can be used for good or it can destroy us. And he was praying in his wisdom, God, as you bless me, I don't want to harm myself and others and I don't want to walk in the pain of not knowing how to manage, according to your word, your blessings. Okay? He went on to say, and I'm going to say to you, don't become apathetic and lazy because I've had times in my life when I, I just struggled um, to get paid or pay the bills or to do this or do that. And, and an interesting thing happened. When I was living like that, man, I had a prayer life you, would only, you could just hardly believe. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And then the blessings come, and you know what we have a tendency to do? Just kind of get a little lazy. You know, a little, little back off. A little entitlement. And maybe out of wisdom, the Lord says, let's just shut that off for a little bit. Lord, yeah, been waiting on you. See, what he's after is that when the blessings pour in, that we continue to pray and to trust him. And instead of struggling for victory, we're in a position now of, Lord, how do you want to use me today? We're in partnership. What are we doing today? Lord, who can I give? Who can I help? How can I help fund the kingdom? See, he's praying that these blessings will help him not pain others or become apathetic. And then perhaps he's also praying something like this. Lord, keep me from greed. I don't know how vulnerable you want me to be or how much I can, can say, but I'm just going to say this. It has been the practice that we've had for a number of years that when the Lord gives us a raise, we not only increase our tithe, but we often look for another missionary to support. Or we look, it's not unusual when we get a raise that 40 or 50% of it goes into the kingdom. I'm not being arrogant. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need better cars. I mean, when we have need, we'll have it. See, when Gary spoke about abundance last week, the word abundance means more than we'll ever have need of. And here's been our experience as we're walking in the kingdom. Whenever we have a need, God meets it. 
And our focus is not on that. Our focus is on you and him and others and how to advance the kingdom and how to serve and those sorts of things. And so we're, we're not struggling with, oh, I got this raise. Okay, God, here's yours. And what are we going to do? We're looking at, yes, enjoying some of that, but how do we bless other people? That's going to be my challenge to you. Okay? And so it's not about being greedy. It's about being a giver. I want his favor to overtake our struggle. Do you hear me? I want his favor to overtake our struggle. Instead of struggling, Lord, would you grow me where you can trust me? Would you give me opportunities to prove that I'll be faithful and that you can trust me? Let me just bring this to a close. Proverbs 10.22 says this. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And so the blessing has to do with the goodness and the weightiness of the Lord. Has to do with, with all of those things he is and has that are for his glory and for our good and for the good of other people. The word rich there isn't just talking about money. He's talking about the fullness of everything that's valuable. So I want to ask you, would you like your life to be full of the valuable or the empty? Do you want the real or the counterfeit? Let me just give you this illustration, and I'm going to bring us to conclusion, and we're going to pray this prayer together. So a number of years ago, I used to pastor in the Loveland area, and uh, John Elway, if you remember him, was this new quarterback, and he was amazing, and I was a young man. So I lost my senses. I used to be a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I became a Denver Broncos fan. Now, just so you know, I've repented, and I'm back to being a Cowboys fan. Okay. <laughs> okay. God help them. <coughs> anyway. <laughs> but we used to tease back and forth because we had a lot of Cowboy fans in Loveland, Colorado, and, and, and I would get up and... So sometimes I'd come to the pulpit, and there was a crushed, orange crush can one time. People couldn't see, all kinds of stuff. We had a lot of fun. But I remember one time out mowing the yard. It was hot. Um, it was sweaty. It was dirty. And I went inside, and I got orange crush in a bottle. How many remember those bottles with the long neck? And they had, you know, they were pretty cool. And I remember popping the top off of that and just chugging it down. And it was cold, and it felt good. But within five minutes... I was really thirsty again. And I don't know what possessed me. I just have these weird moments, and God uses them sometimes. But I remember grabbing that bottle, went back in to get some water, grabbed the bottle, and looked around, and it said, artificial flavor, artificial color, artificial ingredients. And see, that's what we're walking in unless we understand the blessing and the riches of the Lord. We don't need any more artificial. We need to come to this place where we're saying, water of life. Fill me with everything that's good and make me a blessing to other people. That's the prayer of Jabez. Would you just stand? Let's, I'm going to lead us in a confession, if you can. And I'll lead us in the confession of this prayer. And my challenge is that you'd pray this every day for the next 30 days. And watch what happens. Opportunities will come. You'll see things open up that you will have to say, Holy Spirit, help me step into this. And it's like, you're going to use me to talk to them? Yeah. You know why? 
because you have the same Jesus in you I do. And you have the same Holy Spirit that I do. And as a matter of fact, there are people in your scope of influence I'm never going to meet that you are. But I don't measure up. This isn't about our flesh. Remember, it's not our past. It's who we are in Jesus. Because you're looking at a man who's got a lot of failure and a lot of mistakes in his life that's learned to turn to the Lord and be forgiven and overcome. And what I have to offer people is Jesus. That's our message. This is the prayer. Let me read it to you again. And know that the kindness and the patience or forbearance of God draws people to repentance. If you're here today and you feel unworthy, we are. If you're here today and you'd say, wow, this goodness seems too good to be true because I haven't been good and I haven't measured up. You haven't, and it is too good to be true. But let me just tell you something. It is true. It's true. It's true. And what will happen is the love of God will capture you, and you'll do more because you love the Lord than you will out of the legalism of you better measure up and you better. Can you remember a man in the Scripture named Zacchaeus? Tax gatherer, right? Cheater, thief, extorter of people. And when he met Jesus and he called him by name and went to his house to eat with him, and Jesus saved him because of his kindness, he repented. That kindness and forbearance brought him to repentance. And that's what the Lord's looking for today. Because if he can capture you with that, his love will motivate you stronger than anything else in this world. Here's the prayer, and then I'll lead you a phrase at a time in a minute. I'm going to lead us to pray this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm, and that it might not pain me. And then I added simply this line, God bless me much and make me a great blessing to others. Amen. Let's pray that a phrase at a time. I'll say it, you repeat it after me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm and that it might not pain me. God, bless me much and make me a great blessing to others.